Amen. You can be seated. I was telling Jeannie, I said, I don't know if I've ever been introduced as a shoe. That's a new one right there. Listen, we're so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Your pastor and his wife, they are some of the sweetest people. Don't you just love his smile? I mean, I love the hair. It's awesome. I have a guy on my staff. He's been with us for 20-some years, and I looked at him. Gary's 60 now, and I said, Gary, I said, you lost your hair. He said, I had it when I needed it. You can think about that later. But uh, anyway, thank you for being here. Listen, I've got to respect a man who can come, like many of you probably are not native Alaskans. Some of you are, but, you know, to come here and do what you've done in this church is really remarkable. And as we say, you have to have fur on you to do it. Because it's like pushing a string uphill, you know, to do things in life. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, we founded our church back in late 1986. I came out of Louisiana. I'm a Louisiana resident, a native. There's one person, a sympathy clap. Thank you. Uh, and a golf clap. I don't know what that was about. But um, anyway, uh, we started with one lady and two children was our first service. I had a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. The lady brought a guitar and played a couple of songs, which was a blessing. And uh, she sat down. My son was eight. My wife took my five-year-old daughter and this lady's two children to the room next door, did a Sunday school lesson, and that was our first service. I preached to her and my son for three weeks, and then her husband came. And, buddy, we were growing then. And so uh, we've grown every year, no matter how bad I preach, because I know it's not about me. But uh, it's been a great ride. I want to tell you, your pastor and his wife and this team that you have here, they're incredible. Why don't you give them a good hand, because they are really a blessing. Amen. You know, let me just say this. I'm going to let Jeannie, I'm going to introduce Jeannie in just a moment. But uh, I like authenticity. I like someone that's genuine, that tells the truth, that lives the truth, is trying to be an example. And I think you're really blessed because that's unusual in church circles. There's so much... There's too many posers, too many people trying to act like they're Christians instead of just being a Christian. And it's like people go to church on Sunday. Don't you think it's time we ought to start being the church instead of just going to the church? Well, you have a pastor that believes that way, teaches the truth, and is authentic. And those are the kind of men I want to be around, men that have integrity. And uh, so I'm, I'm honored. I'm so blessed to be here. I'm glad just to be a shoe in the house of God. Amen. <laughs> This is my darling wife. Let me let her step out here so you can see her gorgeousness. She's my RF. I, that's a, I, no, somebody's saying, what's an RF? RF is a righteous fox. So she's my RF. <laughs> Our marriage started off, it was biblical of biblical proportions. Uh, when we first got married, it was like reading the Bible. There were wars and rumors of wars. And... And it's gotten better over the years, but we've been married 38 years. We were got married at we got married at 10, 11 years old. In Louisiana, we start early. But um, we have a 34 year old son. He's our executive pastor now, and our worship pastor, and a whole team of people that work with us in our church. And my daughter's 31, runs marathons, and just all these kind of things. She's a lot like her dad. I run marathons. Actually, I drive them because uh, otherwise it'd be flight for life coming to get me. Anyway, this is Jeannie. We've been married 38 years. Please welcome her. Thank you so much. We are just delighted to be here. Uh, we've been to Alaska, but never to the interior part of Alaska. So it's just nice to be here to see how the real folks live. Amen. I like that. Um, you know, we are blessed to know your pastor and his wife, and they are people of integrity. And when I think about them and what they're doing here in Wasilla and what they're doing here in Alaska, the scripture that comes to mind is where Jesus talks about the groom, the friend of the groom, and the bride. And we all know the church is the bride of Christ, but right now... The one that we are betrothed to has gone away. He's taken a little journey. But we have a friend, and that's your pastor. And he is here to keep reminding you how much that groom loves you. And he keeps wanting to point you only to the groom, not to the friend of the groom. 
Because when your eyes get on just the friend of the groom, then he becomes an adversary to the groom. And that's not what he wants to be. He's going to keep pointing you back to the one that is going to come, that, it, that is, has given his life for you. And he, that's the one who's going to come and sweep you away. So you have a wonderful pastor, a wonderful pastor's wife, who are going to continue to be the friend of the groom and keep reminding you the groom loves you and he's going to come sweep his bride away. You are a blessed people to have them. Bless you. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We'll get there in just a second. While you're turning there, as I said, I'm from Louisiana. And uh, anybody watch Swamp People? Is that? We watch Ice Road Truckers. <laughs> Deadliest Cats, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, and we watch Swamp People. Swamp People, I, I, I hunt and fish down in the same areas as where they hunt alligators. And uh, so we're kind of, we got Cajun friends, and we have Cajun friends called Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Anybody heard of Boudreaux and Thibodeau? They're just Cajuns. They're like those swampers that are down there, swamp people. But uh, they're kind of weird. And uh, I just, you know, it's like Boudreaux had a boy named T-Boy. And T-Boy came home from school one day and said, he said, say, Papa. He said, I just found out I got the biggest feet in the third grade. Is that because I'm a Cajun? He said, no, son, it's because you're 19. All right. You like that one, don't you? I got lots of them. These are my friends. Anyway, so good to be here. I want to talk to you this morning about something that I think we all need, and that's extreme faith. I know you say you have faith. I know you think you have faith. But in reality, you know, many of us are living living ordinary, average lives. And we're not seeing, I believe, what God has said He would do for us in, in our lives, according to the Word of God. And if you want to go to another spiritual level, and I'm assuming that's why you're here, if you want to go to another spiritual level, you have got to go to another faith level. Now, let me read something to you that I wrote down a long time ago. I, want to, I just want to let you think about this. To the average comes the ordinary. To the mediocre comes the usual. To the common comes the routine. To the indifferent comes the everyday. To the cautious comes the limited, to the unexceptional comes the unremarkable, to the acceptable comes the satisfactory. Now, when I read that, I don't believe that that was God's description of you. But when you get out of this world and you leave this church, that is a description of who you are. Average, ordinary, cautious, acceptable, unexceptional, common and everything, mediocre in what we do. I do not believe that that's what God has called us to. We have a God of the impossible, the impractical... The irrational who wants to do those things in our life every day, if we would just let Him and trust Him. And I believe to have that, you just can't have average, ordinary, common faith. And we need to quit lying to ourselves, saying that we have faith in God when we don't live like we have faith in God. Now, I know you know, according to the Hebrews 11, what the, what the definition of faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everybody knows that. Well, let me give you Mike Ware's version of what faith is. Can I give you my definition? I'm going to put it down right here at the ground level uh, because that's kind of the person I am. I'm just real simple about things. Here's my definition of faith. You need to act like, talk like, live like, and think like God told you the truth. Is that simple enough? Because when you start living like that, acting like that, talking like that, then that's real faith. And I believe God is calling His people back to a real faith. Not people that are faking their faith. Not people that are impersonating the faith. And I'm talking about people that really believe and trust in God. And if you aren't daring to believe God for the impossible, then I think you're wasting a lot of your Christian life. There is a God ready to reach down out of heaven, back into creation, right where you are right now, to do something just for you. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Out of heaven, into creation, He wants to lay His hands on you. And do something beyond what you can comprehend. I believe God delights in doing what we can't do, but He won't do anything that we won't believe Him to do. So I think it's time for the church to rise up. I think it's time for the church to start believing again. Let me ask you this. Does your brand of faith produce the kind of results in the life you see of men and women in the Bible right now? Does the kind of, 
Does the kind of faith that you're living by right now, is it producing the same kind of results you see right here in the Bible? Because if it's not, then you need to up the ante a little bit. You need to get ready and get more extreme in your faith. You know, when I think about the men and women in the Old and New Testament, to, to them, God was not mystical. He was real. I mean, they, they had to learn how to trust Him. They had to learn how to believe in Him. I mean, they called on Him. I mean, they really thought that He would hear them and that He would answer their prayers. And they, they expected the impossible from God. They were not flooded with a bunch of information like we are in newspapers and televisions, and all the research we do on the Internet because we're going through some problem. And we, we receive all that and we get all that, and it sometimes supersedes and overrides the wisdom of God and the instructions of God. And we kind of take all that in when instead we should be calling out to the Lord for healing and miracles. But instead we look for pills and doctors. And you may be a doctor and you may take pills, and thank God we've got them. But I want to tell you, those people back in those days couldn't go to a doctor. They couldn't take a bunch of pills to cure their ills. They couldn't go to the government to have them take care of them or provide for them in their old age. They had to learn how to trust God and believe in God. I call that really average faith. To us, that's extreme. I think it's time for us to get back to where God wants us to get. Can I hear an amen from you this morning? But listen, you don't have to do anything to be plain and ordinary. Hello. You can just be just like you are and you can, I mean, everybody seems to be happy with that. But if you're tired of the ordinary, if you're tired of what the plane has been giving you, I believe God is wanting to challenge you this morning to up the ante a little bit, to have some extreme faith. What does it mean to have extreme faith? Well, I already told you what faith is. Faith is acting like, talking like, living like, believing that God told you the truth. What does it mean to have extreme faith? The word extreme, I looked it up in the dictionary. Here's what it means. It means to reach the highest, not usual, exceptional, furthest from the center or a given point. In other words, at some point in our Christian life, we've got to begin to live beyond the ordinary, the average, the routine. We've got to move off the bubble of what we've been so used to, to really believe that the God we serve is a big God. Do you really believe He's big? Listen, I guarantee you, when you die and you stand before God the first time, you're going to look at God and say, doggone it, you are big. He holds the universe in the span of His hand. And we think God can't come and touch us. And heal us. And deliver us. And prosper us. Everybody here has challenges. I know. You have challenges before you that, be honest with you, your ordinary faith is not moving. Whether it's some sickness, affliction, something with your job, people, family, issues, I don't know. You need some pumped up faith. You need some faith on steroids. And you need to discover and find and develop something that's not common anymore. Something that's not ordinary anymore in your faith. Jesus had something to say about this in Matthew 11, verse 12. Maybe a familiar verse to you. It says, the kingdom of God, it says from the days of, of John the Baptist until now, it says the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. Do you see that in your Bibles? I know you've read through it. What does all that mean? God is saying that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Jesus is talking in the Scripture about the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God has everything to do with God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom? Romans 14 says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. Revelation 21 says the kingdom of God is a place where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more past. I don't know about you, but it's sounding pretty good to me. I want some of that kind of kingdom in my life, don't you? He said the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. It's where there's health. It's where there's growth. It's where there's prosperity. It's where there's freedom from demon power. I want some of that. I believe God's people want some of that. But it doesn't come unless you're willing to seize it. You've got to do something beyond the ordinary to get what God has for you. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. What does it mean to be violent? The word violent means a forcer. It's a forcer. It's somebody who's not trying to force it out of God's hand. He wants to give it to you. But it's trying to keep it from the devil's hand. Who wants to, to steal it from you? The kingdom of God comes because somebody got violent enough to get it. They got extreme enough to have it. And I don't know if you're getting this or not this morning, but many things of God's kingdom don't come by accident. But they come because somebody got spiritually violent enough to say, God, I really believe what you said. I'm going to act like it talk like it, and live like it the rest of my life. I call that being extreme. Come on, somebody. I call that being extreme. 
I love how the Amplified, I'm going to read this same verse to you out of the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. I love this. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. I love this. Violent men and women, those that will have extreme faith, they seize the kingdom of God as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. A share of the kingdom of God must be sought for with an ardent zeal and an intense exertion. I call that extreme. That's how I read this verse. It's for, and by the way, if that's not you, just sit back and relax. We'll be out of here in a few minutes. And I promise you, you'll be okay. You can take a little nap. But for those of you that want to go to the next level, I hope you'll take some notes this morning and pay attention because I believe God wants to share His kingdom with you. I believe He wants to share His healing and His power and His strength and His prosperity and His blessings. And the Scriptures say that if you want a share of that inheritance, if you want a share, you want a piece of that action, then you just can't sit any longer where you're at. You know, I had in our church one time, I had, Pastor, I had everybody in our church stand up one time. I said, I want you to turn and look and see where you're sitting. I said, that's the only impression most of you are making. I won't do that here. Because this is my first time here. But you can judge whether or not that's the only impression you're making with your faith. I tell you, the devil's not afraid of you if all you do is sit and just hope a chunk of glory falls out of heaven and hits you in the head. No. God is looking for you to get up off your blessed assurance and get on your knees or lift up your hands and cry out to a God that cares about everything in your life. And let Him demonstrate to you how irrational, impractical, and impossible the things He can do for you in your life. Come on, can I hear another amen from you? Jesus said the kingdom of God has endured violent assaults and violent men seize it by force. That's not ordinary. I think about the four lepers that were there in Samaria. You might remember the story, 2 Kings chapter 7. These four men were going to die of leprosy. problem was... The city was surrounded by the Syrian army, and the Syrians were sieging the city. They were starving them out. It had been going on for many months. Many had died. And these four lepers said to themselves, you know, we're going to die of our leprosy, or we're going to die staying here. One way or the other, we're going to die unless we do something. And so the Scripture said, this is what it says. It says, why sit we here till we die? Let's get up. Let's be violent. Let's don't, just don't say we can't do anything. Let's arise and let's have some faith. They said, why sit we here till we die? Let's arise. And they made a decision with some extreme faith. They were going to march into the Syrian army's camp. Because if they killed them, they're going to be dead anyway. If they stayed, they would be dead anyway. So by faith, and I'm going to tell you, that was not ordinary faith. That was extraordinary faith. They rose up in the midst of their affliction. And they marched to the camp of the Syrian army. When they got there, you know what they had found? They found nothing they found no one there. They found clothing and articles of clothing and money and swords and weapons. Because during the night, God had sent the sound of, if, it will, if you will, galloping horses. And the Syrian army thought it was the Israelites coming to them to attack them in the night. And they fled in haste. And they left food and clothing and weapons and money. And a great miracle took place and the city was saved. Because four men decided they weren't going to be ordinary and average anymore. I think there's four good men and women right here, right now, that can change the city. That can change the Matsu Valley. That can change this whole area. I believe there are some men and women right now that are sitting in this sanctuary that God wants to use. If you'll just say, I don't want to be ordinary anymore. I mean, I think of what Jeremiah, he, the Lord spoke to him and says, And you will seek me and find me, the Lord says, when you seek and search for me with all your heart. In other words, it just can't be mediocre seeking. You've got to begin fervently looking to God who wants to reach down and touch you. The word seize, it says we've got to seize these opportunities. It means to, to take possession of suddenly or by force. And I just want to address this real quickly. God presents to everyone. Every one of you this morning are hearing the same message. Why is it that some of you will leave this morning and your life may be changed? Why is it that some of you this morning you'll get it, some of you won't get it? I mean, do you, does God love others more than He loves Others, I mean, does he, is he a respecter of persons? Does he go through the sanctuary saying, I love you, I love you not, love you, love you not, love you, love you Does he, does he do that? 
No, He's looking for everybody. He's looking for everyone who will rise up and believe that He told the truth to us. That's what He's looking for. Which means we've got to seize the opportunity. Some of you are going to analyze it. You're not going to seize it. And you've got to make a decision. I think today, right now, I'm tired of reasoning. I'm tired of questioning. I'm going to believe. It doesn't make sense to my mind. But I'm not going to pay attention to what my mind says. I know in my heart it's right. I'm going to believe God. I think some people are going to run with it today. I think some are still going to reason with it. If you had to wait for the perfect... Look, if you had to wait for the perfect conditions, you wouldn't be in church today. If you, wait, look, if you waited for the perfect conditions in Alaska, I can guarantee you, you wouldn't go to work. Am I right about that? Some of you are saying, well, I'm just waiting for the right conditions to trust God. Well, today's the day. Come on, somebody. All right, let me jump into that. I have three points. I don't know how much time I've got. The clock is small and I'm old. So I can't see it as well, so you can just wave at me if I get a little bit too long. But I think I can give you these three points in the next 15 minutes or so. But I have three points because how do you have extreme faith? How do you develop extreme faith? What do you do? I've got three things for you. Write them down because these will be life-changing if you'll not just hear them, but you'll grasp them, you'll own them, you'll make them yours. And you'll say, these are the things I'm going to do. Number one, you need to determine to fight to the end. Determine to fight to the end. Write that down someplace. Determine to fight to the end. Most have a fight to the beginning attitude. You don't have a fight to the end attitude. I mean, you start good, you fight good in the beginning, but then things get tough, you get tired, you get weak, you're tired of fighting the battles, and you just give up. You say, it must not be God. This is my fate. It's not going to get any better than this. Can I tell you right now, you've just become a loser. You need to determine to fight to the end. And what I'm talking about is that I'm talking about the kind of strength that you run out of where there's nothing left in you to fight and overcome and where you finally have to trust God. There's been so many times in my life where I finally, I'm tired, I'm worn out of fighting the battles, and I get to the place where I've just got to trust God again. I've just got to lean on God. I've learned if you lean on God, He'll lean back. And He'll keep you from falling. And He'll give you some victories. I mean, that's called extreme faith. When you finally trust in God in the middle of your weakness. I think of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. I mean, they've just been in a devastating battles. I mean, most of their men were killed or wounded. And they're, they're limping back home. And they get back home, and a little while later, five kings, I believe it was, that amassed their army and about to attack Israel, wipe them off the planet. What's Jehoshaphat going to do? His warriors are decimated. I mean, their horses and chariots are destroyed. They get on their knees, they begin to pray and fast, and God gives them something to do that is so irrational, impractical, that it requires somebody with extreme faith to trust that God was telling them the truth. Listen to this. He said, he said I want you to go to battle. He said, but I want you to send the choir ahead of the, of the, of the uh, rest of your army. Now, I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of faith to send the choir ahead of the army, particularly if you're in the choir. That's extreme faith. Right? That's when you say, I think my throat's bad this week. So he sent the praisers ahead, the army behind. And when they got there, God had already shown up and thousands were dead. You know the reason why? is because I'm going to tell you, extreme faith produces extreme results. Can I hear an amen? God's just looking for somebody to get more extreme. Think about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were Babylonian slaves, but they were trained by the king, you know, because they showed great spirit and great wisdom, and the power and spirit of God was upon them. But Nebuchadnezzar got a wild hair one day saying, I'm going to make a statue to myself. And when the trumpet blows, I'm going to get all the people in their whole region, the nations around, to bow down at that statue. And, and, uh, and so he gathered everyone, the trumpet sounded, everybody bows down, and there's three boys standing out in the middle of this crowd that won't do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king is upset. He, he brings them to him. He said, what do you think you're doing? He said, I said, everybody bows down. I'll throw them in a fiery furnace. They said, oh, kingy-wingy. He said, we ain't going to bow down. He said, we don't even need to pray about this. You can blow those trumpets till you're blue in the face. And we're not bowing down. He said, I'm giving you one more chance. And they blew those horns. Everybody bowed down. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, young men who had extreme faith. The king got upset, fired up the furnace. The people standing around it were dead. I don't, the Scripture says they threw them in. I don't know how they threw them in if the ones around there were dying. I think they may have just walked in on their own. All I know is when the king looked in, he said, didn't we just throw three guys in there? He said, I see four. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Can I just tell you, 
When you get extreme in your faith, guess who shows up? Hello, are you here? Some of you are so intimidated by the devil. You know what? I don't get worried about the devil. Oh, yeah, I mean, I know he comes, but I, I read the Scriptures. It says in Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. If you're ever concerned about where you are, why don't you turn around and look behind you? Because surely goodness and mercy are right there. And who do you know that is? That's Jesus Himself. I think about David who killed Goliath. He said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I mean, this is a little kid. I mean, a little red-headed, freckled kid. A teenager that nobody thought he could do anything. And David, in fact, in the Scriptures, you read about the Scriptures about David. There was not one place in the Bible where it ever indicated that David thought he would lose the battle. Can I tell you right now, that's called extreme. That's extreme faith. Extreme faith. Extreme faith produces extreme results. Look, extreme faith never gives up, never backs down, never quits, never lays down. Ever. I said, ever. You've got to be determined to fight to the end. It's faith that's passionate. It's raging. It's extreme. It's all those kind of things. That's what extreme faith is. Let me give you number two. Number two is you must decide to persevere beyond adversity. Persevere beyond adversity. The Scriptures and Proverbs says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I have thought about that so many times. I mean, if some little thing comes up and we just, we're whining and crying, can I tell you, you've got small strength and small faith. Listen, number two, decide to persevere beyond adversity. God has some extreme results for extreme faith. That means you've got to trust God intensely. That means you've got to expect fervently and believe extravagantly. God loves and rewards persistence. God loves and rewards perseverance. As we say where, I'm, where I come from, you've got to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. Anybody ever bite into a biscuit and there's a hair in there? You can dangle that thing around. Yeah. Buddy, you've got to hang in there. Turn to your neighbor and say, hang in there. <laughs> Proverbs says, see thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He's talking about persistence and perseverance. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow looks back. He said, it's worthy of the kingdom of God. He's talking about persistence. I think about the widow woman in Luke 18. She, she needed to be avenged of her enemies. And so she went to the judge, and the judge says, I'm not going to help you. I mean, every day she came and knocked on his door and knocked on his door. The Bible says he got so tired of her coming, they said, whatever you want to do, you're wearing me out. Can I tell you right now, it's time for us to wear the enemy out. It's time for us to keep showing up. Let me tell you about winning battles. Winning battles is not necessarily knowing what to do. 95% of winning all battles is just showing up. Because I can tell you right now, there are tons of times I have no clue what to do. But I pull myself up and I'm going to show up. The devil hates it when you keep showing up. He keeps knocking you down. You keep getting up. Eventually, he's going to leave you alone. That's called extreme faith. You need to decide to persevere beyond adversity. God is talking about looking forward and moving forward. Listen to this. You'll never get what God has ahead of you if you, if you keep looking behind you. You'll never get what God has there if you keep looking there all the time. Got a good friend who's, his, uh, he pastors a huge church, I mean thousands of people. And he told me he was driving with his wife. His wife was driving one day. And he, got, he, he was kind of upset because his wife didn't use the mirrors, you know, looking, making sure there was nothing on the sides and backing up and stuff. He said, Michelle, he said, he said you never use your mirrors when you're driving. And she looked at him and she said, Rick, I'm not going that way. I mean, that's a revelation right there. Hey, can I tell you right now, we're not here to look behind us. We're here to look ahead. Every miracle I got isn't there. It's right up here. Every blessing of God isn't back there. It's right up here. And you and I have got to keep moving. We've got to persevere. We've got to keep showing up. Can I hear an amen from you? I love what Paul the Apostle said. He says, leaving those things which are behind, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you've got to be willing Persistent, persevere in adversity. Extreme faith always pushes beyond what seems impossible. I, we built this multi-million dollar building there in Denver. And in our city, we're, we're in a suburb. It's uh, Denver metropolitan area. I think we were the first church that had been built in over 30 years in our community. And, um, and so people were telling me, you can't do that. 
You can't, it's impossible, you can't do that. Can I tell you what my attitude is? The man that say it can't be done ought to get out of the way of the man doing it. That's my saying. Because see, I believe God, there's no limit to God. Can I just tell you right now, I have never prayed and ever had God say, Whoa, 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 hold it right there. Whoa, whoa, that's way too big. I've never had God ever stop me in prayer. Saying, well, I can't do that. God has never interrupted me when I've prayed big, believed big, dreamed big. I'm talking about extreme faith. That's what you need today. Somebody here needs this message. I think about Isaac who was living in the land of famine. Genesis 26. We're talking about persevering through adversity. There was a famine in the land. People were leaving, going to Egypt, trying to find food. They were dying. Many had already died. Cattle, livestock, trees, vineyards. Like the others, he packed up. He was headed to Egypt and God stopped him. He said, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay in the land and plant in the famine. And I'm sure the first thing he probably thought and said was probably the first thing you thought and said, get behind me, Satan. That can't be God. That's impossible. That's impractical. That's irrational. But somehow or other, he felt convinced it must be God. And he took a chance, had extreme faith, planted in the famine, and that year... He received a hundredfold return. He became so wealthy. He multiplied so much that Abimelech the king was afraid of him and asked him to leave the land. Well, the blessings that he had were ahead of him, not behind him. But he had to persevere to get them. And he also had to have water and everything else to hang on to what God had given him. So he had to start digging some wells. Go read the story. He digs a well. To feed all the livestock, his family, and all the multitudes of servants and other things that he had. And as soon as he gets the well dug, these herdsmen from other places come and drive them off. Well, he had to go someplace else. He dug another well. As soon as he gets water, the herdsmen in that area came and drove them off. And for a third time, he digs a well. Most of us would have quit after two and would have said, that must not be God. And he digs a third well. And he possesses it. And he sustained And he perseveres. Can I just tell you, God rewards perseverance. He rewards those that will be extreme in their faith, uncommon in their faith, unnatural in their faith, if you will. And some of you today, you've dug a well before and you lost it. You tried doing things before and it didn't work out. Can I just give you a word of wisdom today? Dig another well. What if it doesn't work out? Dig another well. What if I lose? Dig another well. What if I, if I lose everything I have? What if it doesn't work out? Dig another well. Because that's how you persevere. That's how you have extreme faith. You just don't give up. You don't, you don't quit. I think of a man who retired from... He had a filling station, a gas station, and he served meals out of his gas station. And a lot of people would come and he would just serve them meals, of course, and they came to get gas for their cars and so forth. When he got on up in years and he felt like he had to retire, he just couldn't continue doing it. He had a little Social Security is all he had. And he realized that he couldn't live on that, so he took his recipe and he thought, well, I'm just going to see if some restaurant will buy my recipe. That will help me out. So he starts going around the country, looking and going to restaurants to see if anybody would buy their recipe or his recipe. And he went to a hundred different restaurants, sleeping in his car, just trying to find some way to supplement his income. He was told no. He went to 300 restaurants, 300 owners told him no. He went to 700, 800, 900 restaurants. They all told him no. Most of us would have quit. He went to a thousand restaurants. This is a true story. He went to a thousand restaurants and was told no. Went to a thousand and five, thousand and six. When he got to the thousand and seventh restaurant, they bought his recipe. This man's name was Harlan Sanders. You know him by the name of Colonel. And the rest is history. Because a man didn't give up. He persevered. Can I tell you what? That takes you. You've got to have a little fur on you to do that. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to have some extreme faith. Can I just tell you right now? Knock on another door. Dig another well. And see what God will do. Let me give you number three. Declare that I have lived long enough on this mountain. Declare that I have lived long enough on this mountain. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to jump over there. Join me. Fifth chapter in the Bible. So it's back over to your left if you're not too familiar with the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 1. You know, there are some that are not too familiar with the Bible. And that's okay. We're going to try to help you. Your pastor's here to help you. In verse 6, let me read it to you. 
It says, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Now, these are God's people. God had promised them a great land, the land of milk and honey. He wanted them to receive the blessing and, be, uh, and, and have those kinds of things. But there comes a time, if you're going to receive what God has for you, you've got to be willing to move. I'm talking about take a step in faith. You've got to be willing to not do what's normal and average for you and what's not mediocre to you. You've got to move beyond the faith that you already have. And God is trying to stretch you a little bit. He's trying to stretch your faith some. And by the way, I don't know, we're going to read the rest of this in a few minutes, but do you know where he was sending them? He said, you've lived on this mountain long enough. He was sending them to the promised land where there was walled cities, giants, and a lot of enemies. He had to move them out of their comfort zone. Some of you are so comfortable where you are. And God wants you to abandon what's comfortable and abandon what's convenient because if you're not receiving the promises of God where you're at, then you're going to have to take a step in faith. Listen, they, they like they liked that mountain living. I mean, they decided that mountain living was better than promised land living. They ended up with wilderness living because they weren't willing to step out in faith and believe and trust God. But God wanted them to move out of their comfort, out of something good, to experience God's best. Now, I shared this in the first service, and uh, I, I want to share this again. Look, for you to be able to say yes to the right thing, this is something I learned a few years back. For you to be able to say yes to the right thing, you've got to be willing to say no to a good thing. Let me say this again. You've got to say no to a good thing to be able to say yes to a right thing. And I'm going to tell you, things that are good are not bad, not evil. They're not wicked. They're good, but they're not the best. The only way to get the best is you've got to say yes to the right thing, which means there are some times, for me personally, I've got to say, no, I'm not doing that. No, I can't be a part of that. Because if I do, that steals the time. I'll just give you a little bit of wisdom. Every one of you can live your dream. And time is what gives life to your dream. You need time to fulfill your dream. Isn't that true? And if you use time for anything other that's connected to your dream, your dream will die. And you'll die with it. Something to think about. By the way, dreams never die. Dreamers do. Don't die with a dream. Persevere. Trust God. Have some faith. Don't live on that mountain any longer. Some of you are stuck and you're satisfied. You want to keep moving, but you don't want, you don't want conflict. You want to keep moving, but you don't want pressure. You want to keep moving, but you don't want to fight. And you're stuck. Same song, different dance. Jesus is giving to you a different song for a different dance right now. It's a different world we live in. He needs a people right here in Wasilla in the surrounding area that's going to rise up and be some light. And quit going to church and start being the church. Too often we say, well, we can't. Because in the past we didn't. I want you to think about this. It's never too late to finish what you never started. It's never too late to, start what you, to finish what you never started. Which means if you take a step... I've learned something about God. When you take a step, He takes a step. He's ready to meet you. He's ready to move in your life. And if you're not experiencing the kingdom of God in your life today, you've got to change what you're doing. You've got to change where you're living. You've got to say, I've had enough of this mountain living. I can't live on this mountain any longer. When God said, you've been on this mountain long enough, He told them what the next level was. The next level was to leave the place of comfort, the place of convenience. And move toward a place where the enemy resides. Let me read it to you. Verse 7. He said, verse 6, he said, You've lived on this mountain long enough. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountain of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, to the mountains, and the lowlands, to the south, to the sea coast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. You know, when they start describing this, I start thinking about how people describe Alaska. I mean, they got the peninsula, they got this, they got that. It kind of sounds to me a lot like describing where you live. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess it. Possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. It goes on to say in verse 10, The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in the multitude. In multitude, May the Lord... May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as He has promised you. He said He will bless you. He will make you numerous. He will multiply everything you do. But you've got to move off the mountain. You've got to move off of what you're doing and trust God and believe God. The next level with God is not found in comfort and convenience. It's found in the fight. It's found in the opposition. 
You know, the Scriptures say that we're to resist the devil and he shall flee. Everybody knows that Scripture? Here's what we think of as Christians. I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to resist him so he'll flee. That word resist in the original language doesn't mean to defend yourself. It means to attack. Go look it up. You'll see that's exactly what it says. It's time for us to, it's time for us to get up and start moving and get on the offense instead of on the defense. That's what God is calling you to do in this church. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not found in little faith. It's found in extreme faith. Jesus told the disciples five times, Oh, ye of little faith. When the storms were raging, when they couldn't cast out a demon out of a child, when 5,000 in the multitude needed to be fed, He said, Oh, ye of little faith. Some of you have lived long enough on the mountain. It's time for you to get to the next level. It's time for you to take some steps. It's time for you to face your enemies. It's time for you to get a little radical with your faith. It's time to believe for some big stuff from a big God and just see what He will do. I tell you, there are tremendous results, extreme results, for extreme faith. I'm, just, I'm going to close with this verse again. I'm going to read it. It says, The kingdom of God suffers violence, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. It doesn't come because we wish it, want it, think about it, or hope it's here. It comes because somebody got violent enough to not be normal in their faith or average in their faith. And to lean upon a big God that wants to do big things. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment and close your eyes. God, listen, I want, I want you to know God delights in giving you the best. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. He wants you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He wants to prosper you. He wants to heal your body. He wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. But it's the violent, the extreme, that take it by force. Who of you here today would say, I need to go to the next level? Just slip your hand up and say, I know I need to do it. I'm not there. I'm just average normal. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living on this mountain. Slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you're seeing hands throughout this sanctuary right now. I mean, a multitude of men and women who are saying to me, Lord, I need you. I'm ready to go to the next level. I've been challenged. I feel inspired. I feel motivated right now, Lord God, that you're a big God. That you care about every little thing in my life. If the sparrow falls, you know, if a hair falls out, you've got it numbered. Lord, every little thing about me you care about. Your thoughts are innumerable toward me every day. And Lord, I lifted my hand to say to you that I don't believe my faith is where it needs to be. And Lord, I want to do this. I want to have faith that acts like, thinks like, talks like, and lives like you told me the truth. And that means it can't be average anymore. I'm praying for some extreme faith to believe for some big things right now. In Jesus' name. And I'm determined, I've decided, I'm going to declare right now that I'm going to have this kind of faith. So Lord, here I am. I've lifted my hand. Touch me right now. Stir me up right now. Let me not back down or quit, but I'm going to persevere. I'm never giving up. I'm never laying down. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed for just one more minute before I turn it over to your pastor. You might be here this morning and... and uh, you might be saying, well, I don't know if I could ever have extreme faith, but if you ever gave your life to Christ, do you realize how extreme that is? You've said, I'm a sinner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to somebody that's invisible I've never seen before to wash away my sins. And you did it and you really believe it to happen. Can I tell you what? You've already demonstrated some extreme faith. Don't tell me you don't have it. You've already got the seed of it right there. But there are some here this morning you've never taken that step. You have never before in your life ever said, I need to give Him access to my heart. Today I'm going to do it. I'm going to invite Him into my life. I'm going to open up the door. I hear Him knocking. Some of you have failed. You've made mistakes. You feel unworthy. Can I tell you, He'll restore you. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to Him. I want Him to restore who I am. I'm tired of living this way. I'm ready to live for Him. Come on, somebody. Just don't be ashamed. Nobody's looking. It's between you and God right now. Slip your hand up and say, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I see your hand. Heavenly Father, I've lifted my hand to You. And i said, I'm that person. And I have failed You many times. I'm tired of managing my own life. I'm bankrupt. I lift my hand because I need You. Open my heart to give You access to all that I am. Wash away my sin and make me a new person right now. I love You, Lord. Guide me by Your strength. Guide me by Your Word. Guide me by Your Spirit. Today I'm Yours. In Christ's name. Amen. Somebody give God a good shout this morning. Hallelujah.
Amen. Wonderful. What a great word. Powerful word. We're going to bless the man of God, the woman of God. Mike and Jeannie Ware, Pastor Mike and Jeannie Ware. Thank you for coming, guys. Ushers, would you come and help me, please? It's our custom to bless God's servant. If you'd like an envelope to record your giving, you can certainly do that. You can do that online also. The entirety of this offering will go to uh, Pastors Mike and Jeannie Ware. Great word. Great, 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 great word. I'm going to another level. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to the Lord for the first time or made a recommitment to Him, wouldn't you share with uh, with one of my staff? We've got a, we've got something for you, Minister Tim. If you would just be out there, you see Minister Tim out there. Somebody at the eye just say, "Hey, you know what? I, I gave my life to Jesus, or I recommitted my life to the Lord." But we'd love to celebrate with you. We've got something to help you grow in God. So you just see Minister Tim or one of the people at the eye desk there, one of our leaders, that will help you grow in the things of God. If you don't have a home church, by the way, we'd love to be that for you. You gotta have a home church. Hello. Got to have a home church, all right? How many of you go back to a home? All three of you, praise God. We have like, all right, how many of you go back to a tent? All right. How many of you believing for a house? Got to have a home church. Very, very important. We'd love to be that for you if you don't have one. Don't miss tonight. Uh, Pastor Mike's going to be, uh, Pastor Mike Ware's going to be sharing tonight, preaching tonight. On some uh, on a key, a revelation, really, God gave him on how to have answered prayer, right? A divine secret that God gave him on answered prayer. Now, we're a house that believes in prayer. Prayer is the backbone of this entire ministry. We have morning prayer. We've got noon to 12 to 2 prayer. We've got a Friday night prayer service. We're believing God to go 24 hours, 7 day a week for prayer. I can't wait for tonight. Come on. Put the four-wheeler up and come to church. Amen. Thank somebody say thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Come on, let's bless them. Ushers, would you come, please? Again, if you made out a check, make it out to KC. We'll send them one check. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for the ministry of Mike and Jeannie Weir and for their church back in Denver, Colorado. Lord, we lift up the state of Colorado now as it's going through a tremendous tragedy with the shooting that took place there in that movie theater. There's been so much opposition there. Yet in the midst of it, you've raised up a remnant. You've raised up a a church. You've raised up many churches, of course. But God, we thank you specifically for this one today and, and the power of the Spirit that's flowing there in their altars and in their services and their ministries to impact a generation. God, if that young man had heard the gospel and gotten saved, if somebody had had some extreme faith to reach out to him, maybe those people wouldn't be dead. But there is a group that you're raising up, God, and discipling. I thank you for the sons and daughters of Victory Church there in Denver, and I pray a blessing upon them. I thank you for a multi-generational move of God. And Lord, even as we sow a seed and release this love offering to them, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would not only reign on them, but you would reign on the state, the former and the latter reign. Holy Spirit, pour out over Colorado. Lord, you are the answer to the, to the drought. Lord, in the natural, there's a drought and they need, they need rain. They, they need it. But, it. but in the spiritual, Lord, it's really a spiritual problem. Lord, we pray for a tremendous awakening, God, in the city of Denver. We pray for a great awakening, God, across the state of Colorado. We thank you, Lord, that you've done that at other times. You've done it in other places. But now we contend, praying now from Alaska, we pray, God, touch Colorado. We prophesy and decree and declare, Colorado, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. Say it again. Colorado, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be saved. Raise up an army. Power out your spirit. Lord God, a powerful outpouring of miracles and signs and wonders. 
Jesus, we thank you for their lives. We celebrate what you're doing, what you've done. We give you praise and glory. Bless the giver and the gift now. Multiply it many times over in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Ushers, go right ahead. Come on, stand up with us. Take someone by the hand today. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your word, a lamp unto a feet and a light upon our path. Thank you that your word is like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. Your word is like fire. It's gone forth today. We receive it. We will walk in extreme faith. We will not settle. Uh, be a mediocre, apathetic, lethargic people. We will be as living sacrifices unto you. We thank you that you'll give us the strength to do it. To persevere in adversity. To press in. To show up. That you might show off. We won't settle for good. For good is the enemy of great. And you want to do great and awesome things. Cause your people to shine like stars in the firmament because they know you. Holy Spirit. Break off hopelessness. Discouragement. Just thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Give you praise. We give you glory. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, give Him praise and glory. Come on, thank Him right out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Thank you. You're performing and perfecting everything concerning us. Thank you that we are your method of releasing the kingdom of God on the earth. We carry the message. Give us a fresh anointing as we step out in boldness to see your dream brought about for this state, for our nation, for our families, for our church. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance unto them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Pastor, we'll be preaching again. God bless you. Praise the Lord.